Hello again, everyone. I'm Brian Dinavellis. Welcome to episode 31 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Hey, before we break down the Big Ten tournament, I'd like to remind you, if you like the content you're listening to, you can subscribe to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast on Apple or Spotify. I'm trying to build this one podcast at a time, one follower at a time. So please give me a follow. Tell your friends about it as well. You can also scroll down on my Apple homepage and rate the podcast or write a review. Share it with your friends. Share it with your friends. I do appreciate you listening. And with that, let's get started. My guest is Chris Eisman, who covers Rutgers basketball and football for NorthJersey.com. Also, for those of us who still read our newspapers the old-fashioned way, the record, and he also covers it for Asbury Park Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Eisman, I-S-E-M-A-N. Now, Chris flew out to Indianapolis this morning for the Big Ten tournament, and he called in from his hotel room. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are things in Indy? Uh, first of all, thank you, Brian, for having me. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be on. Things are going well so far. Uh, I flew in early this morning after my 11 a.m. flight got canceled last night. So rebooked on an 8 a.m. So I've been here for a while already and Rutgers isn't even playing until Friday. So I'm going to get to know. I, I know Indianapolis. I feel like this is my second home by this point. Uh, fantastic. And, and hey, it's a great city. I don't need to tell you, you know, to go to uh, St. Elmo's or any no. other place. I'm sure you've been there. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. So news of the day. Already, as we record this podcast, several media outlets, including your colleague, Jerry Carino, uh, reporting that Steve Peichel is going to receive a contract extension sometime officially uh, by Friday, and they want to lock this guy up, and, and, and why not? He's arguably one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach in, in Rutgers basketball history. How about this news, Chris? Yeah, listen, I mean, it, it definitely was, you know, something that was unexpected today when, when we started the day. Uh, no one expected that news to come down. But, I mean, listen, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, he's the job that he's done here, he's, a, I think, a perfect fit for this program. Um, they are kind of letting him, you know, they, they let him build the program the right way in terms of going out and finding guys who maybe are under the radar in terms of recruiting. Um, you know, and then look at the, the players that have built this current team, Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., um, you know, you even look at a guy like Dean Reber. I mean, these are guys who are, who are very much under the radar uh, and have found tremendous success here. And he hasn't put a lot of stock in recruiting rankings. So, um, you know, he, he did it his way. And, and Pat Hobbs, and he shouldn't put a lot of stock in it, by the way. I'll make that point. Um, so that's a good thing to do. Uh, but Pat Hobbs has let him build this the, the way that, you know, Steve Feichel saw fit. And I think it's an excellent, uh, you know, match between the two sides. So I, I think you know, the fact that they're giving him uh, some more years is really important. You know, at this point, it's, it's hard to know, you know, when the kind of the coaching moves start happening, you know, who would um, be interested. Um, but uh, they're certainly kind of, you know, Rutgers got out ahead of that and, and made sure that he's um, he's going to be here for a while. And listen, he's, he's a Connecticut guy. Uh, I happen to have played against him in high school. Uh, I didn't do too well against him, obviously, <laughs> but he is a Northeast guy is my point. We don't know what's in a man's heart and what he wants to do, but I, I think you can live quite comfortably at Rutgers and, and uh, do quite well for yourself and live like a king and, and get that contract extension and keep getting those, right? I mean, unless you really want to go to a blue chip, a Kentucky or something like that, or a Duke, but why not stay here at Rutgers, right? 
Absolutely. And, and the other thing, too, that I think, you know, everyone should keep in mind is that there's so much of what you would want for a program here. Right. I mean, you have the great fan base that packs Jersey Mike's Arena or the rack, you know, whatever you want to call it now um, gives a, a great home court environment, uh, great facilities, you know, the, where the, um, uh, the RJW Barnabas Center, where the basketball team is housed at Rutgers is, a, is beautiful. Um, it's, a, it's a great A facility. So really, I mean, at the end of the day, and, and if, if you can bring players here that fit your program, it's kind of everything that he needs to be successful is here, as he's shown. And if you start getting players to the NBA, you start winning in the NCAA tournament, guys are going to take notice of that, right? Because that's what they want to do. Get to the NCAA tournament, get to the NBA. And Absolutely. No matter who Steve Peichel brings in here, uh, he's bringing in his guys. So it's a credit to him. And listen, I did, I did put him up there in the Rutgers pantheon of coaches. Tom Young is at the top still because of those that final four appearance and, and how well they did that year. But maybe Steve Peichel will get there at this rate. So here we go. Let, let's talk about the other awards that are going on for, for Rutgers this week. And man, five years ago, there's no way you would have told me that, that they would have this many players on a list and Rutgers would finish fourth. And maybe pigs were flying in Piscataway. I don't know. Maybe you caught those pictures, Chris, because I certainly saw them. You know, we have uh, Ron Harper Jr., second team, all Big Ten. Geo Baker, third team, all Big Ten. Caleb McConnell, defensive player of the year in the Big Ten, deservedly so. And what can you say about these guys and the years they have had individually for Rutgers? Well, each one of them has really made their mark on this program in their own way. Um, they each, you know, bought into what Steve Peichel was, you know, kind of envisioning when he was recruiting them. And this season in particular, I mean, they wouldn't be where they are right now without these guys. Obviously, I mean, yeah, you look at Ron and you say, well, you know, that obviously the huge shot against Purdue. And that was one of the biggest moments, if not the biggest moment of the season. Right. Um, but his ability to just kind of come, come up and knock down huge shots when they needed him to and, and his out inside outside game. And, you know, he's really gotten a lot better on defense too. Um, Caleb McConnell. I mean, you know, what really can you say? You just watch him play defense. And it's just, if you're a basketball fan, it's just a joy to watch. I mean, he's just so good on that end of the floor. He, he accepts the challenge of, of taking on the other team's best player and, and he wants that challenge. And it's something that he totally embraces and works at. Um, and you know, there's not a lot of guys like that, uh, you know, in the, in the, in college basketball. Um, and then obviously Geo Baker, you know, just a, another really, really good year from him. Um, just, you know, all these guys, they, they, they just have made their marks uh, in their own way. And I think it's important too, that they're getting recognition from the rest of the big 10, which hasn't been something that Rutgers has always enjoyed over the years, but, you know, they've opened up a lot of eyes for this program and it's, it's gone a long way. With winning as a team comes the individual awards, right? You want those individual awards, you better put the team first. And maybe no one exemplifies that more than Geo Baker, in my opinion, Chris. Just a few years ago, I mean, he was the man. He was the go-to guy. He had the ball in his hands. So not only did he have to, in many ways, take a backseat to Ron Harper being the man, and they shared the duties, but Harper is, you know, 1A, but also he had to relinquish the point guard duties to and the ball handling duties to Paul Mulcahy. So the, if that's not a team first guy, I don't know who is on this team. Yeah, you, you said exactly. I mean, he he is um, exactly what you would want in a leader, you know, for this group. And um, 
he embraces that role. He likes being in that role and and he's very, very happy to kind of, you know, let his teammates have their due and, and kind of fill their role. He's there to, to kind of make everybody else as, as, as good as they can be. Um, so that's what you said is hundred percent true. He's, he's been in a few different roles since he's been here in these last couple of years, especially as other guys have come in and really made their own impact. Um, and he's adjusted well to everything. I want to talk a little bit more about Caleb McConnell, because here's a guy who was, was injured, didn't play a lot last year, comes back in this year and not only excels in his role as defensive specialist, but Look at the guys he shut down this year, and I'm sure you researched it, right? Johnny Davis, Big Ten Player of the Year. Max Christie, Michigan State, goes two for 10, six points. Keegan Murray, Iowa, five of 14, 13 points. Alfonso Plummer lit the team up and at Illinois, came back and was pedestrian at the rack. Two for eight, four points. What more could he have done, number one? And number two, I was trying to rack my brain. I can't remember a better on the ball defender that I've seen in New Jersey for the past 30 years. Seton Hall had some good ones and, you know, Paul Gauze and Fuquan Edwin and even Quincy McKnight. But in terms of a non-shot blocker, have, have you talked about this with your colleagues or any of Rutgers players and, you know, how good he has been on the ball? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a frequent because he has been so good, as you said, you were you know listing off those scores because he has been so good. It's a frequent post game discussion about the way he plays, and I think his teammates even sometimes are are in awe. You know, not surprised necessarily, but in awe of what he's been able to do. Um, again, like I said earlier, you know, it's not something that you know in, in kind of a lot of players now they want to be the guy who scores, right? They want to be you know, the getting the points and, and kind of being the star in that way, but he's happy. And, and that is a strength. Like he's not, you know, he's not a, a great offensive player, um, but he knows that his way to help this team win is, is by playing great defense and he works his butt off at it. And the results obviously are paying off as you were listening to those guys. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, without him here to kind of, and, and Rutgers is a good defensive team complete, you know, they're, they're just everyone. That's a big staple of, of Steve Peichel's teams. And again, kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Caleb McConnell was a perfect fit for what Steve Pica wanted to do defensively. So, yeah, I mean, I think his teammates, they value him so, so much uh, because of the way he plays defense. And it's a big, you know, it, it's I think it's a kind of a sigh of relief, relief to have him there, knowing that when you're going against the Big Ten is filled with great scores. But when you're going against a team that has one, you can put a guy like Caleb McConnell on him and know that he's going to do his job because he's done been so consistent all year. That goes a long way and it gives them a lot of confidence. So maybe the guy who's playing with more confidence than ever is, is Paul Mulcahy back in December. I, I even said it. I mean, he had zero confidence in his shot. That game against Seton Hall might've been the low point at Seton Hall. Uh, didn't even take a shot, had a free throw, um, was afraid to take the shot. And where he's come, 5.2 assists, really the floor general, the extension of what Steve Peichel wants and Cliff Amore, the season that he's had, Boy, we could see we could see two more players on the All Big Ten list next year in Omori and and Mulcahy, whether it's preseason or postseason. Chris, yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, you know, during that four game win streak against rank, ranked opponents, that was when Paul was playing at his best. He's come down a little bit, but I think teams have kind of zeroed in on him in, in other ways and have tried to make things more difficult. He was, but during that winter, he was going to the basket with confidence. He was attacking the rim. He was being more unselfish, which is I think is something that he knew he kind of had to be during that time. Um, and that was key. 
Um, and so he's been, he was fantastic during that time. And he's just, he's really grown kind of before our eyes here um, over those last couple of seasons into the player that he is now. And you're right. I, I do think a lot of it is confidence. Um, but I also think his teammates have kind of told him, Hey, listen, you know, you, you be you, you know, and if, if you have opportunities to go to the room and make a, make a play, you know, go ahead and do it. Um, Cause they needed it. So, you know, it was really big too, because if, if there was a game where like Gio or Ron had was off a little bit, you had Paul there to kind of help pick up and, you know, and just kind of provide some scoring, which they needed at that time. So he's been great. And obviously Cliff is another guy who's playing with tremendous confidence. Um, you know, his, his ability is just that, that athleticism is so rare. I mean, it's just, it's really, it jumps off, the, you know, you watch him play and it's, it's almost hard to believe some of the plays that he makes. And it's just like anywhere around the room, he's dangerous. And on the defensive end too, he's playing a great, he's done a great job. So He's come a long way, you know, and, and certainly, um, you know, I, I know Jerry Carino, my colleague, was saying the other day that it's a shame that there's not a, like, a most improved player in the Big Ten because he would be he would be a guy who, you know, is, is a very strong candidate for that, and, and rightfully so. Oh, and when they played against Purdue this year, I mean, he had, to me, one of, one of the dunks of the year on, on Zach Eady. Uh, not too many players can dunk on a 7'4 on a guy, and, and the athleticism is off the charts. And the thing is, too, that's unbelievable, Brian, is, is you look at this Big Ten, right, and the amount of centers that he has had to go up against. It's not, there's no break. There's no, you know, there's no game where he can kind of take a little bit off. I mean, it's just Kofi Coburn. It's it's Zach Eady and Travion Williams. And, I mean, just all these great – Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, I can go on and on. Every team, it's just – it seems like every team has a guy who was a big challenge for him, and, and he handled it really well. He did. So now here we go. Postseason Big Ten tournament. Rutgers doesn't play until Friday. Mm -hmm. So we have some playing, not playing games, but we have the early, early games with Nebraska playing Northwestern, Minnesota and Penn State. So as we record this, you and I on Wednesday, those games had not yet been played. Obviously, Rutgers will be focused on Nebraska and Northwestern. The winner of that game gets Iowa and Rutgers gets the winner of that game. So breaking down those teams, we can assume it's Iowa, but you never know. Nebraska, Northwestern, Iowa. How do you like any of those draws for Rutgers? So I have uh, Nebraska beating Northwestern. Nebraska obviously has had a, a kind of a bad year, another bad year. You know, the last few have been down years for them. Um, but they, they're peaking at the right time. They've won a few in a row here going into the Big Ten tournament. And that it makes a big difference when you're playing well at, at right when you need to. So I like Nebraska beating, uh, winning that game and then moving on to play Iowa. I like Iowa obviously winning then going and, uh, you know, moving on to play Rutgers. Um, you know, that's the Iowa matchup is going to be really interesting. Obviously, we know that Rutgers beat Iowa in a defensive battle early in the season. And coming into that game, the Hawkeyes were averaging about 86.2 points. And it was uh, uh, 46 points, I believe, they, they managed against Rutgers. Rutgers won – or no, sorry, 44 points, I think. Was it 48-46? It was 48-46. 48-46. Okay. All the, all the games start to become one at this point in the year. So 46 points against Rutgers. So, I mean, Rutgers did a great job defensively that game. And, and as we said, you know, Caleb McConnell limiting uh, Keegan Murray – uh, so I, I, you know, I have Rutgers beating Iowa and moving on. Um, I, just something about that matchup I like for Rutgers, but you know, the, it's definitely going to be interesting. I don't, I don't see anybody beating Iowa in the in the uh, you know in the second round. Uh, so I think it'll be Rutgers Iowa and then Rutgers moving on from there. Let's make this 
a point, Chris, right? How many firsts have there been under Steve Peichel, right? First road win in Wisconsin and the first time uh, beating Michigan and on and on and on. Already, they're a fourth seed. That's the highest Rutgers has ever finished in the Big Ten. They're not playing until Friday. That's the quarterfinals. If Rutgers were to win their quarterfinal game, it would be the first time they ever get to the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. And how big would that be? Yeah, it's absolutely huge. I mean, look, look I, it's just another, like, as you kind of said, it's, it's another step in what this program has become and the, and the, and the growth of this program. I mean, you know, it, it, it is kind of amazing when you think about it. And, and Geo Baker was kind of talking about this a bit the other day, especially on, on social media after uh, the, you know, uh, Rutgers was secured the double bye in the, in the number four seed. Um, you know, he said history in the making. And then, I mean, you look it up, his first Big Ten tournament, Rutgers was the number 14 seed. So, I mean, in four, four years, they're now the number four seed and they're getting a double bye. And I mean, yeah, I mean, if they go to the semifinals, it's just one more one more achievement in this remarkably strange up and down roller coaster season that Rutgers has had. Uh, I, I can't ever remember, you know, certainly on the banks, a season like this for Rutgers. So looking a little more closely at this matchup with Iowa. Statistically speaking, you're talking about still the highest scoring team in the Big Ten at 83 points a game against the stingiest defense in the Big Ten, 65 points a game. So should they meet? Are we expecting another whoever gets to 50 wins? You know, listen, I, I don't I think it's tough to expect Rutgers to play that well defensively again. I mean, especially in a neutral court environment, you know, I think that's that's a, that makes a big difference. So I don't know if I can, I'll say that, you know, I, I expect them to do play as well as they did the first time and, you know, to hold Keegan Murray, you know, like they did the first time. I, I don't know if that's reasonable, but I definitely think that their defense is good enough to beat Iowa. It is tough to beat a team, you know, uh, that many, you know, it's just, it's hard, but I still think Rutgers can, can do enough defensively to get this win. And, you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, Ron Harper Jr. And, and Geo Baker, I think those guys are determined um, at this point. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, Iowa is still such a dangerous team. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, they, and they're well coached. Uh, McCaffrey is a really, really good coach. Um, so it, it's not going to be an easy matchup. I don't want to I don't want anybody to think that this is going to be, you know, Rutgers is going to be waltzing on to the semifinals. But I do think that they can do enough defensively um, to get a win. Both teams shot. Very poorly in that game. Uh, neither team could make a shot yeah, that for, was ugly. for a variety of reasons. So I, I agree with you. I, I, I think this game will likely be in the 60s. Mm. Let's put it there, you know, maybe low to mid 60s. That's going to be my prediction because defense tends to win out against offense. The key to beating Iowa is probably defending the three because they <laughs> shoot so many of them, whether it's McCaffrey, whether it's uh, Keegan Murray, whether even Bohannon. Is that what you put at the, at number one for a key for Rutgers to win this game? I would say so. I, I think that's definitely the key. Um, you know, if the Rutgers can do that and, and just, you know, don't give them any good looks, you know, don't, don't let them, um, you know, kind of have their way from the three point line. Um, easier said than done, obviously, but I would say that that's the key. And then number two, followed by, you know, making sure that you limit Keegan Murray wherever he is because he's the engine of that team. So I would say that those two things are definitely, you know, the, the areas that Rutgers needs to, to really key, uh, key in on uh, to get the win. So if Rutgers were to get to the semifinals, a team like Michigan, more than likely, or Illinois being the top seed, could be one of them unless Indiana makes a strong run. I don't see Indiana coming out of that 
eight, nine matchup with Michigan. So if we were to pencil in Michigan against Illinois, Illinois gets the edge, but Michigan has an edge about them right now. And uh, Juwan Howard will be back on the sidelines. Either way, you're talking about a, a pretty fascinating uh, matchup in the semifinal should Rutgers get there. Yeah, no question. I have Illinois winning the entire tournament. Uh, I just think that they're a really good team. And, um, it, you know, I would love to see uh, – I actually did a preview where I had the game that, you know, would we'd most likely to see. I would love to see Rutgers go up against Illinois again just because of the way that, that they play during the regular season. I mean, Rutgers goes out to Champaign, gets blown out. And then later in the year, Illinois comes to Jersey Mike's Arena and Rutgers hands them a pretty convincing loss. So, you know, I would like to see them kind of go up against each other a third time and, and to see if, you know, you know, how who kind of breaks that tie of what went, what happened in the regular season. And obviously, as we kind of alluded to earlier, watching Cliff Amore and Kofi Coburn go at each other would be really fascinating again in, in stage like this. Um, but I, I do think that Illinois just has a bit too much firepower on this type of stage. And I, I see them moving on. But I think that Rutgers can certainly keep it close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout of any, of any kind. Um, but I just think that, you know, the way that Illinois plays, I think, can can really benefit it at this point in the tournament in the semifinal. And, and that was another game where Illinois, man, I think they started out, Chris, in that game. I think they missed their first 12 threes. Yeah, I mean, they were terrible. They were like way off the mark. I think they yeah. were one for 13 in the first half. And uh, even they got manhandled on the boards. Yes. 40, 46 to 28. Illinois has not been out rebounded like that all year. So, so that was a point of emphasis too. So and those I, are the things too that's tough to expect again, right? I mean, like you know, they're not going to shoot that badly this time around. I mean, that that was I think a fluke in a lot of ways. I think Rutgers can limit them from three, but not to that degree. So that's something that's tough to to replicate. So that's where I think Illinois can do enough in the, in the semifinals to beat Rutgers. I, I don't know if Rutgers can hang with them um, a third time around completely. Well, Chris, I, I think if there's one thing we know about this Rutgers team, number one, never count them out. Yeah. No matter what the score is, no matter what uh, their record is, and they're going to defend, they're going to rebound, and they're going to play team basketball uh, no matter what happens. And that in itself, what more could you ask for a team uh, from a team than just giving 100% and doing those little things that keep them in the game? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's the key. And and they have to share the ball. They have to look for good looks. I mean, they had a run where they were, you know, racking up 20 assists a game, you know, 20 plus assists a game. I mean, that was that was a big deal, you know, and, and that's when their offense is moving the ball like that. Um, it benefits everybody. And, and you know, doing that and playing solid defense and, um, you know, that's that's going to be a big deal. So. You know, listen, I, you, you, you said it. I mean, you never know what to expect from this team. You know, they've, they've been so up and down. It's hard to know what version is going to show up. But, you know, certainly the version that we've been seeing here late in the, in the season, in the regular season, has been, you know, they're, they're a tough team to beat. And they can make some noise, not just in this Big Ten tournament, in my opinion, uh, but also in the NCAA tournament, assuming they, they do get a bid. So I want to talk to you about the NCAA tournament and the potential bid, but you said you filled out your bracket. We, you said you have Illinois winning it all. Then who do you have coming out of the bottom half of the bracket? I have Wisconsin beating Michigan state and I have Purdue over Ohio state. And then I have Purdue beating Wisconsin and then Illinois and Purdue meeting in the final. And obviously Illinois beating Rutgers in the semifinal. Man. I mean, listen, you can't go wrong with any of those teams. It wouldn't surprise me if Ohio state, went on a little bit of a run or, or Wisconsin comes out of that. I like Purdue too. I, I, I think that 
man, they're they're so balanced. They can score. They they bring two big guys, unlike any other team. And Trevion Williams and and Zach Eady, uh, Matt Painter. I I know he drives Purdue fans crazy, but that guy wins, and he can he can recruit. And anytime you have you know NBA players on your team, um, you got a chance. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if Purdue wins that. No, not at all. And I had a tough time picking whether I wanted, you know, what I was going to say, Purdue wins or, or Illinois. I mean, I think that would be a great matchup. But obviously you have a guy like Jay Ivey. I mean, he's he's a projected NBA lottery pick. Should he go to the NBA? Some mock drafts have him as number one overall pick, which I'm not sure that's going to happen. But he's definitely a lottery pick. Um, you know, he's this is kind of like they want to take advantage of him being on the team. Right. So you think that if they're going to do this, you know, it's like, I believe it's for the, they haven't won the big 10 tournaments since 2009. So if they're going to do it with Jay Nivey, it probably has to be now in this current iteration of this group. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could certainly see them winning. I don't think that that would be, uh, you know, a convincing win for, for either Illinois or Purdue in the final, should they get there. So Chris, now let's talk about the NCAA tournament pretty much every projection has Rutgers in. I think we'd all be shocked if they don't get in, uh, whether they're in the playing game or whether they're an 11 seed or as high as a 10 seed. What are you hearing most that where they're going to land and what seed they would get? Um, two options. One, should they lose in the quarterfinals or two, should they get to the semifinals and, you know, knock off an Iowa, maybe, do they have a chance of getting a better seed? Yeah, there's no doubt. So it, depending on who you talk to and who you read in terms of bracketologists, they all kind of say something different. Some of them say that they don't, they're not going to Dayton. That's, that's not going to happen. Others do. Um, I think that it, losing to say they, you know, lose to Iowa in, in this, in the quarterfinals, I don't, that's not going to hurt them that, that badly because Iowa's a good team. Um if they make a run, if they do go to the semifinals and, and then maybe, you know, who knows, go to the finals and say, I think that they, that would play them out of date. And I don't think Dayton would even be in the consideration at this point. So I think a win would certainly help them. Um, don't forget too, that they have a net of 76. If they made it, if that doesn't get much better, they, there's a chance that they could be one of the lowest, the lowest uh, net ranking to ever make the NCAA tournament or, or get an at-large bid. The lowest has been 73 before that, before that. So we'll see if they can get that high enough. The, the loss, the win over Penn State, while they got that victory that they badly needed, that would have been crushing for their resume. The fact that the net places a, a, a factors in margin of victory, and that was such a close hmm. win against a quad three team, they didn't help themselves as much as they could have in that. It didn't, it didn't move the needle at all really on the net. So losing to Iowa wouldn't hurt. Beating Iowa would help. Um, but you know, like I said, at this point, it's, it's kind of just a lot of people do have them going to Dayton, especially if they lose, but nobody knows. I mean, nobody knows what the committee is going to think when they sit down on Sunday and, and start to, you know, pick the field. So, you know, I'm prepared to go to Dayton if, if that happens, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of a 50, 50 bet at this point. I will tell you this much. I don't think there's one person out there, one college basketball fan or, or analyst who knows how to even calculate the net number one number no, two that's definitely true <laughs> the eye test just tells you you know four straight wins against ranked opponents as an unranked team never happened in the history of of ncaa basketball um how they got 12 wins in the big 10 fourth place that alone you know winning on the road yes they don't just win at home now they win on the road 
So that alone should count for something. And I think it will. I do. And whether they get an 11 seed, whether they get a 12 seed, um, I'm going to bet if they, if they beat Iowa, they're, they're definitely out of that playing game. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And I think too, with the net, it seems to punish teams for bad losses more than it rewards them for good wins. Um, and I think that at some point you have to look at it and say, okay, yes, they did have some bad losses. That Lafayette loss dragged their net down considerably, and they really never were able to totally climb out of that. But at the same time, it's like you start beating ranked teams and some of the best teams in the Big Ten, and you're doing it fairly consistently. And you, they had other bad losses too. I mean, losing to Penn State on the road, that wasn't good. And, and you know, losing to Minnesota, you know, they had some big bad losses in the Big Ten. But really, at the same time, it's like, the Big Ten, anything can happen. We know that. We've seen that. I mean, Steve Peichel has said before that, you know, it's it's toughest league in the country. He said once he's like that. It seems like every team in the Big Ten should be ranked, which maybe not Nebraska, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. but he said, you know, it's just it's just such a tough conference. So those those early season losses, the non-conference losses, the Paul Lafayette, Lafayette especially, and then UMass, that really hurt them. But you're right. I mean, the eye test is that this is a t- tournament team that can really do some damage. And at what point do you have to kind of start to say, okay, you know, we have to move away from those, those early season losses. And the net, obviously there's a lot of factors. It depends on what other teams do around them and, you know, quad two victories turning into quad one victories or quad one wins turning into quad two wins. So it's like, there's a lot of factors that go into that. So you're right though. nobody knows what the net, how to calculate that. Nobody totally understands it. Right. And maybe I'm a little biased there, but come on, you know, if I'm putting, Rutgers resume against Xavier's resume. To me, there's no comparison who's trending up and who's not. If I put them against North Carolina, I don't care that they just beat Duke. I don't care that they're ranked 25th. I like what Rutgers has done. Look, throw that Lafayette loss out. I know it counts towards the net, but Rutgers just has done a lot more, especially over the last two or three months. We're not talking about Rutgers from December. We're talking about Rutgers in March, completely different team. Absolutely. I mean, you look at even look like Indiana. I mean, Rutgers goes to Indiana and they win that game. That was huge. But, you know, Rutgers has played better than Indiana in some really tough environments and some tough games. But Indiana's net is much higher. So I, I totally agree with you. Right. Right. Well, we're not going to make sense of it. All we know is that somehow, some way you would think that smarter minds would prevail. So, Chris, before I let you go, how in the world are you covering Rutgers spring football practice from Indianapolis and covering the Big Ten tournament, because I see you churning out articles about Rutgers for spring football practice as well. It, it's been a hectic couple of days, no question. Uh, fortunately, we, I was able to be at football practice on Tuesday, uh, and then tomorrow somebody will be there for me in my place, and then uh, next week is spring break, so there is no football practice, and we'll come back the following week, so we'll see what happens. It's it's going to be kind of a, a you know minute-by-minute uh, schedule here over the next couple of weeks. So we'll see what Rutgers basketball can do. And that'll dictate a lot of my schedule. Well, it's kind of fun to be in your shoes right now, getting that, getting a front row seat at the big 10 tournament and knowing that football uh, is here in Rutgers and, and spring is sprung. So Absolutely. great time of the year for Rutgers sports overall. Absolutely. It's a, it's a hectic time. It's a fun time. Um, and that's really all you can ask for. All right. Chris Eisman, Fantastic. It has been such a joy listening to you. Uh, you brought great knowledge and, and content, and it's been a pleasure having you on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Again, you can follow Chris on Twitter, at Chris Eisman. You can read all his articles on 
NorthJersey.com, app.com. Uh, give him a follow, and uh, I think you'll like what you see from his tweets and his articles. Chris, thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. It was great. I appreciate it. There you have it. Chris likes Illinois over Purdue in the Big Ten championship game. He likes Rutgers to get to that semifinal matchup. Would it surprise me if Rutgers loses to Iowa in the quarterfinals? No. Would it surprise me if Rutgers gets to the championship game and wins it? No. This team has been full of surprises all year long. So why not make a championship run through Indianapolis to the Big Ten tournament final, win the championship, earn the conference automatic bid? At that point, we could be talking about a 10 seed. Why not? We can dream. Right, Rutgers fans? Either way, I would say it's a pretty darn good bet that Rutgers is going to the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row. Would be the third year in a row had the pandemic not happened. And who would have thought that five years ago when Steve Peichel took over this program? He's going to get a contract extension. Steve Peichel is going to remain on the banks and be a very rich, very successful, and a winning head coach for a long time at Rutgers. How great is that? Enjoy the games, everyone. Big Ten tournament, Big East tournament. We'll have another podcast next week as we recap how Seton Hall, how Rutgers, how St. Peter's, how Monmouth, how Princeton did in their conference tournaments. Could we get multiple teams from New Jersey in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1991? It is trending in that direction. Can't wait for the games. Can't wait for Selection Sunday. Enjoy it all, college basketball fans. Thank you for listening to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Until next time, so long.